Amen. Thank you so much, David, for that time of singing and praise. And friends, it is time now for the study of God's Word. And so again, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up at this time to Exodus chapter 18. And we're going to be looking at verses 13 through 27. Exodus 18, verses 13 through 27. And while you're turning there, let me just begin with this. I believe that one of the things that God wants to do during this whole pandemic, coronavirus change, because whatever normal is going to be, it's not going to be what it was before, friends. So we got to acknowledge that. Things are going to be different moving forward. But I think one of the things that God wants to do in his people is he wants to reorder their lives. The fact of the matter is God has been wanting to reorder some of our lives, perhaps all of us, for quite some time. But the truth is, as long as life kept going the way it was, we weren't going to change. We weren't going to do things different. We weren't going to value things the way that God wants us to, and we weren't going to order our lives in the way that God wants us to. And so what I believe we should be doing at this time is reprioritizing our lives. And in order to do that, we need wisdom. And so this morning, as we look at Exodus 18, 13 through 27, we are going to see wisdom. Wisdom is given to Moses. And so we're going to look through at this wisdom that was given to Moses. We're going to look at what his situation was. Why did, why did Moses need wisdom? I mean, if you think you don't need wisdom, well, friends, I think Moses was, again, a far greater man of faith than, than us, I believe. He was a fantastic leader, and yet he needed wisdom. And he was willing to receive wisdom. And so we're going to find wisdom, practical wisdom from everyday living. And we're also going to see where this all ultimately points. What does it really mean from a biblical perspective to live wisely? Where is true wisdom found? All right, friends, so let's go ahead and begin by reading God's word together as a whole. We'll pray and then we'll get into this morning's study. Exodus 18, 13 through 27, this is God's word. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. So when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did for the people, he said, What is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit, and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, Because the people come to inquire of God. When they have a difficulty, they come to me, and I judge between one another, and I make known the statutes of God and his laws. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people are with you will surely wear yourselves out, for this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice, and I will give you counsel, and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all times." Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. 
if you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all this people will also go to their place in peace. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. So they judged the people at all times, the hard cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way to his own land. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you this morning, and we just pray that you would pour out your wisdom and your spirit on your people. Lord, I think we can all acknowledge that we could use some good advice. We could use wisdom this morning. It is so easy for us to just look out at the world, to look at our lives, and to see that we could be doing things better. Maybe it's a matter of just practical advice, uh, that we should just do it in, in this way. For some of us, maybe it's more of a, a deeper significance. We need new priorities. It's not just the way we're doing it. It's, it's that we're doing it or, or what we're leaving out. And Lord, ultimately, we believe that underlying this, this disorder in the world is something far deeper. It is more moral and spiritual in nature than merely the practical. And so, Lord, I pray that you would meet us right where we are with that daily advice for living, that wisdom we need for today. And yet, Lord, you would meet us also with the need for wisdom at the deepest level of the human soul. We pray that you would meet us today with the wisdom we need for living. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, friends, so I'm calling the title of this morning's message, Wisdom for Today. And again, when we think of wisdom in the Bible, many people immediately go to Proverbs, and I think for good reason. The book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. In fact, the book of Proverbs is so practical. Wisdom is so concentrated on just daily living and good advice that many non-believers, whether atheists, agnostic, Buddhist, Hindu, they can go. That's a book of the Bible. They say, I can go to that book of the Bible, and that makes sense to me. There is good advice there. There's value there. But I would like to point out that advice or wisdom is not relegated to one book of the Bible, Proverbs. It is all throughout the Bible in various ways. And in this text, this narrative of Exodus of Moses and the, and the children of Israel in the wilderness, we have a wisdom text. We have wisdom, practical advice for daily living. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to break down this passage according to five pieces of wise advice. Five pieces of wise advice, wisdom for today, wisdom for living for you and I. And I highly encourage you, really, friends, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, whether you've attended church for a long time or you're just getting started, these are good advice for everybody. And then we ultimately want to frame all of this in light of what the Bible teaches as a whole. So let's start off by looking at verse 13. And so it was on the next day that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood before Moses from morning until evening. Okay, write this down. Point number one, take inventory of your life. Number one, take inventory of your life. So this is an interesting passage because it gives us some insight into a typical workday for Moses. 
I know for some people, they think of the Bible as, as just always being, you know, profoundly otherworldly, you know, matters of, of heaven and, and resurrection and life after. But it also deals with very, very practical earthly matters. And here we have insight into Moses' schedule. So imagine that. You know, Moses' nine-to-five schedule and, you know, uh, do this, drive to the office, commute, um, you know, eat lunch at 12, have this meeting at 2 o'clock, make sure you do this, have this board meeting, and then call this client, come home. That's essentially what we're being given here. We're being given insight into one of Moses' typical daily work days. And so we see that leading, Leading for Moses, and I think leading for us in whatever capacity we do that. Leading is a complex phenomenon. And there are all kinds of dynamics and activities associated with leadership. Leadership is not a simple thing. And as much as you, you can try to reduce leadership to basic things, in terms of maybe values, it could be relatively simple. But in practice, what you end up doing can literally be anything and everything under the sun. There really is no limit to what, what a leader, what leading ends up doing. So far, we've seen that Moses has served as an intermediary between God and his people, as a spokesperson for God and Israel, and now as a judge. And what we are told here is that there were so many cases coming to Moses that he had no time for anything else. He was judging people from the second he woke up Till the second he went to bed. That's kind of the idea. He was just overwhelmed. And the problem here was, it wasn't that there was a lack of busyness for Moses. The problem was that the busyness was crowding out other things in his life. And so here's the problem. Moses wasn't doing a bad thing per se. Sometimes we have a very simplistic view of, of what, what's bad or, or good. Um, it's it's not bad that Moses was judging. It's bad that that's all he was doing. So friends, you could be doing something that's good and you can tell yourself, well, I'm doing a good thing, so so I must be doing a good. Well, well no, because the other possibility is that you've done one good thing and that's all the good you're doing, but God's called you to do other good things and you're not doing those. Well, you can't even know that if you don't do step number one. Take inventory of your life. What is occupying your time? How do you spend a day? What does a typical day look like? And I encourage you, when I say take inventory, I mean it literally, write down a list. What is a typical day for you look like? Write it out. And if if the you know the various days throughout the week are, are quite different, again, then write those out. You may it may not be the same type of thing every day. If so, write it out. What take inventory of your life? What occupies your time? And then ask yourself this: what is the final goal and purpose of what I'm doing? This is so important. I'm not asking you whether what you're doing is good. If Obviously, if you know you're doing something bad, stop, right? But I, I think most of you are in a place where you're doing some good thing. But what you need now need to ask, having taken inventory, is ask, what is the final goal and purpose of what I'm doing? What is the final goal and purpose of what I'm doing? What you'll find is some of us have lost sight of the final goal and purpose of what we're doing. We're doing good. But like a hamster on a wheel, it's just like we're spinning and we, we forget what's the final purpose and goal of what I'm doing. So take inventory and then ask yourself, 
What is the final goal and purpose of what I'm doing? And then ask, in what way does what I'm doing, my inventory, what you just took, your daily life, ask yourself, how does that contribute to the final goal and purpose of your life? Once again, friends, I think we'll find that, that many of us, there's a disconnect. We are busy, busy, busy doing things. Or, or perhaps for some of you, it's it's the opposite. You're at a stage of life where, gosh, I've, I've retired and, and man, I... I don't have anything to do and I'm just kind of I'm just trying to to fill time whatever the case might be I just think that we need to stop take inventory and ask what is the final goal and purpose of my life and how is what I'm doing contributing to that goal secondly let's look at verse 14 so when Moses father-in-law saw all that he did for the people he said what is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit and all the people stand before you from morning until evening? Number two, write this down. Number two, get an outside perspective on your life. Number two, get an outside perspective on your life. Now, there is no real hint given in the text that what Moses is doing in verse 13 is a problem. We weren't told. God didn't say, Moses, you are not allowed to judge people from morning to evening. There's, there, there's no special word from God saying that. Notice that. There's no commandment. Thou shalt not judge Moses' people from morning to evening. There's no specific command. What we have instead is an outside perspective from Moses coming in. And when we are on the inside of a situation like Moses, inside of a job, inside of a marriage, inside of a family system, etc., we are often blind to what the long-term effects of our lifestyles are doing. Friends, that's just a matter of fact. You can try to be the smartest hardest working person out there, but if you do not have an outside perspective on your life, there are always going to be blind spots. And I don't care if you're Moses, for goodness sakes, even if you're Moses, you're going to have blind spots. We need other people. We need other people to be able to speak into our lives. If the same is true for Moses, then the same is true for us. While it seems that Moses, what Moses was doing was perfectly reasonable, indeed his responsibility to hear every single case that came from any of the people was under his leadership, but to Jethro as an outsider, it looked like madness. Think about this. To an insider, something can make perfect sense. Oh, well, this is the way we've always done it. This is the way I've always done it. Well, this is just the way I am friends, but somebody from the outside, it takes them sometimes to be like, what are you doing? Why are you doing it that way? That's crazy. Like if that, I've seen this, I've seen people that do work your way. I've seen people that do marriage your way. I've seen people and, and it burns them out. Friends, we need an outside perspective. We need an outside perspective because we're going to be blind to many different things. Like Moses, many times we don't notice how much time we're spending in certain areas, nor how those things have become the dominant priority in our lives, nor how it may cause us to neglect other essential 
responsibilities. That is why it is so valuable to get an outside perspective on various life situations. So for us, this principle can refer to work, church ministry, marriage, family, friendships, whatever else it is. Friends, we need an outside perspective. And when I say that, I don't think that means we should just wait around and hope that happens. I think all of us, that goes for me too, by the way, benefit so much from talking to someone else. I mean, one of the things that maybe you, you heard it in my voice uh, in, the, in the beginning, in the introduction of today's service, that last week just at the pastor's conference, I, it was just so refreshing to get to listen to so many other uh, brothers in the ministry, pastors and in positions similar to mine and, and just to hear from them and and to share uh where you know like to share with them and I find out oh hey there's there's better ways of doing things and then things where I'm like oh I feel like oh I you know I'm 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 just just discouraged I'm discouraged about this and they're like oh no that's awesome keep on fighting the good fight keep doing what you're doing so friends we all need that and I don't think we should sit around hoping it happens I believe you need to reach out you need to reach out to an outside perspective. Sometimes in, in marriage, you know, a husband or wife, they, they get defensive and they don't want to hear what their husband or wife says. Friends, even if it's not always said in the nicest way, in the nicest tone, or even necessarily for the nicest reasons, we need an outside perspective. Sometimes as, as a couple, you, it's, it's, you've talked to each other a million times and it's not going anywhere. Sometimes you need an outside perspective. You need to talk to somebody. Maybe it's professionally, you in, in your work, and again, in your job, in your profession, in your company, the way you're, you're living your life and what you're doing, your activity makes all the sense in the world. But if you were to talk to somebody on the outside of a different system somewhere, another professional, and they were to look in on your life, they would be like, what are you doing? Uh, you, you can't be doing that. You're, you're going to destroy yourself. Friends, we need to invite that outside voice into our lives, an outside perspective is vital for wise living. Number three, let's look at verses 15 and 16. And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God, when they have a difficulty, they come to me, and I judge between one and another, and I make known the statues of God and his laws. So number three, set healthy boundaries. Number three, set healthy boundaries. Moses' response to Jethro is that he's overwhelmed because he's simply reacting to demands placed on him and then assuming that whatever people desire of him is what he ought to do. This is a mistake. In other words, Moses has no boundaries. There's, there's nothing people can't demand. And he's just going to like, oh, okay, you want that? Okay, I have to, because you want it. Friends, let me share with you some sage advice from an older pastor gone to be with the Lord. There's a great pastor, Christian author named Warren Wearsby. And Warren Wearsby once said to pastors, if you give people what they want, you might not give them what they need. There's a difference between what people want and what they need. See, Moses is responding to what the people want. We want you to judge all of our cases, Moses. But that is not what they need. 
And that is not what he needs. See, the people need somebody to hear the case, but they don't necessarily need Moses to do it. And Moses isn't supposed to just be hearing the cases. He is also supposed to be teaching the law of God. And so, and if he doesn't do that, that actually exacerbates the culture of the people, which then creates more problems and more sin, which arise in more cases to hear. So a vicious cycle is happening by simply responding always to what people want with no, no thought, no theological reflection, no reflection on, on what is wise, no boundaries. We're seeing that Moses is burning himself out and the people are going to get burned out too. That's the thing. It's, it's not just about caring for Moses and not caring about the people. It's not just about not, you know, caring for the people and not about Moses. In God's economy, everybody matters. And the way we got to do life is such a way where it's not just the pastor that doesn't get burned out. We don't want the people burned out, but we don't want the pastor burned out and, and not just the people. We don't want the husband burned out, uh, but not just the wife or just the wife, but not the husband. You see what I'm saying? It's we, we want wisdom. And in order to do that, we all have to have boundaries. Clear boundaries have to be set. And we have to acknowledge that what we want is not always what we need. And when ple people place their wants on us, those are not always needs that need to be met. And so it is so important what Jethro is doing is saying, Moses, you don't have healthy boundaries on your life. These people are going to overwhelm you and you are going to be crushed under the burden of their demands and they're not going to, and they're just going to grow increasingly unhappy, by the way, by your inability to meet all the things they want you to do. So you have to have healthy boundaries on your life. You know, one of the things that I've always had a hard time with is saying no to people. Maybe that relates to some of you. It's just hard to say no. If, if somebody wants something or somebody's like, oh, I want this or I don't want it, it's, it's, it's hard for me to, to say no. I want to be like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do this for you. I'll do this or, oh, okay, if you, you know. But it's like, no, you know what? The more and more I've, I've done that, I've, I've seen this, it burns you out. You have to draw a distinction between what people want and what they need. And you have to reflect on ultimately, who are you serving? If I'm serving God, then I have to have God's priorities. And if people put wrong priorities, unbiblical priorities on me, it's actually my job to say no. No, I will not demean this ungodly demand that you have. And the reason for that is not selfish. It is for you and for me, and it's collectively beneficial for us. This principle of boundaries applies to your marriage. You have to have boundaries for your marriage. That goes both ways. Your marriage has to allow time for, for you to do the things you need to do, whether that's raising kids or, or earning a living or whatever else it might be. You, you have, it can't just all be about how you feel about your marriage and your emotions and this, that, and the other. There has to be time for other things. But there also has to be a boundary around your marriage so that work and kids and everything else don't so invade your marital space that you don't have a marriage anymore. All you have is a co-parenting arrangement. Some of you might know what I'm talking about. And again, don't feel bad if that's the case. That, that pressure, like here, that pressure of the crowds on Moses that Jethro is trying to speak to is common. I, I, 
I don't really know of too many families. I, I'd say it's the exception, the rule, to, to hear of a couple with, with children who's never had to deal with that issue. They've, they've never had the problem of boundaries where they are able to protect their marriage, where they're able to do all the things God wanted them to do outside of that, and yet at the same time perfectly protect the boundaries so that work and kids and demands of everything else wasn't just permeating their marriage to where it's no longer marriage, it's a co-parenting arrangement. Friends, it's kind of the force of things in the world, and it actually takes not reaction, proaction. We have to act proactively and set healthy boundaries. Number four, let's look at verses 17 and 18. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out, for this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Number four, listen to constructive criticism. Number four, listen to constructive criticism. Here we see Jethro making a criticism of Moses' behavior and lack of priorities. And it is not born of rivalry or envy, but of genuine concern for his well-being. He loves him. Friends, remember that. For some of us, in our minds, any kind of criticism is negative. Any kind. But friends, if you love somebody and you see them in error. Maybe it's not a fundamental error, but it's an error that's going to hurt people. Maybe it's not an error about God and salvation, about heaven and hell, but nevertheless, it's going to hurt a marriage. It's going to hurt children. It's going to hurt your brothers and sisters in the church, whatever the case might be. Then constructive criticism is a gift. It's actually a blessing. Listen to constructive criticism. This is what Moses is receiving. Jethro's concern is that if Moses keeps up this pace, he and others will, quote, wear themselves out. This Hebrew word translated as wear out, it's actually two words, it's navol tivol, navol tivol. It literally means in withering you will wither, or you will surely wither. Now, this is a very appropriate, culturally appropriate term. In an agrarian society, they knew what it looked like carefully in everyday life to see something wither. And so Jethro saying, Moses, you know how a, a plant can rise up, but then if there's not enough water and there's too much sun, it just withers and falls away and dies? So it's going to happen to you. Friends, if we were to use perhaps in a culturally appropriate term for us today, in a digital age, what term do you think we might use? In a digital age, we, we say, if you're not careful, you will burn out. You will burn out. I say to the kids, hey kids, not just for our electric bill, all over that matters, but don't just leave the lights on every time you, you leave a room. Not only does it cost money, you're going to burn out the light bulbs. Hey, if you just leave your computer on all the time, even when you're not using it, you leave it open and stuff running on it and, and all this and that, whatever it is, it'll burn out. It'll burn out. You'll wear it out. You'll burn it out. The same kind of idea here. We listen to constructive criticism because that's how you avoid burning out. You are going to wither and wilt and burn out if you are unwilling to listen to constructive criticism. 
But here's the problem. Many of us are too prideful to listen to constructive criticism. When someone in your family, when someone in the church, when someone in, in ministry who loves you comes to you and shares a criticism, hey, I, I don't think this is good and, and here's why and here's where I think it's, it's biblically valid. Don't get defensive. Don't immediately push that off as a personal attack. A wise person receives it. A wise person is, look, even if I get a little embarrassed or my ego takes a hit, which, yeah, I understand it, maybe it will. But if it's for your good, you should receive it. We've got to listen to constructive criticism. But the truth is many of us are too prideful to do that. And when we are prideful, we get defensive about the slightest criticism. When you're prideful, even the littlest thing is taken as a personal attack. And whether we react by raising our voice, shutting down, or leaving the relationship or the church or whatever, we cannot grow if we are unwilling to see the areas in which growth is most necessary. Imagine in this text. Imagine if Moses were like some of us, defensive. What would Moses, if he were like some of us, what would his response have been to Jethro? Perhaps it would be something like, mind your own business. I married your daughter, not you. How dare you judge me? Who do you think you are? I'll have you know it is good. And I watched a random YouTube video that validates me. Besides, if I listened to you, the whole thing would fall apart. You don't understand. I don't have the luxury of taking this responsibility on every single day. But notice how humbly Moses receives this. We know later in the Pentateuch, it's, it's said, and there's debate of whether Moses said this of himself or, or um, Joshua inserts it at the end. But it says that Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth. And you know what's funny? I, I actually think I agree with that. I see Moses just not only the weight of what he is, and there's many instances where I could point out you see the humility of Moses, but here's one of the examples. And it's a subtle humility, isn't it? His father-in-law comes and criticizes him. And he could easily be like us, be defensive, fighting against, ah. Moses receives it. Moses is a humble man. Moses is a wise man, not because he always knows what to do. Friends, a wise man is not a person who always knows what to do. A wise person is someone who knows they don't always know what to do and seeks to listen, to understand. And that's what we see. Moses listens to understanding. He listens to criticism. Our intentions do not necessarily need to be, our intentions do not necessarily validate our actions because that's one of the ways we get defensive. We go, oh, well, but I'm trying to do that. Okay, maybe you are. Maybe you really genuinely are trying to just help, help these guys, help these ladies, help this group, help your husband, help your wife. Maybe that's your intention. But, but don't confuse your, your intention and your outcomes, your action are not necessarily the same thing. So be open to constructive criticism. Jethro is not saying that judging all the, that judging people is not good, but rather it is a good thing that is being done in a bad way and thereby ruining the bigger picture, the long-term good. 
And so notice, he is not saying to quit judging, but to develop a long-term sustainable strategy with a different hierarchy of priorities, which includes more than just getting the work done, but it also includes Moses' long-term health and more ministry opportunities for other leaders in the community. And again, friends, I don't want anyone to think that having a, a healthy life with boundaries where you listen to constructive criticism is a bad thing. I think it is a gift from God and it is the application and result of wisdom. Finally, number five, we're going to take verses 19 through 27 together. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. And you shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be the rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure. And all this people will also go to their place in peace. So Moses heeded, heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel, and made them heads over the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties and rulers of tens. So they judged the people at all times, the hard cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way to his own land. Number five, reprioritize your life so that no essential good is lost. Let me say that again. Number five, reprioritize your life so that no essential good is lost lost. You see, sometimes we let good things crowd out other good things or even better things. So again, friends, obviously it's possible that some of us are doing some bad things in our life. And I don't just mean morally bad, but just, let's say unhealthy, okay? Maybe we're doing some bad things, but that's not the only problem we can have. We can have another problem of wrongly ordered goods. For example, we can take something that's a lesser good and make it all that we do week in and week out, year after year. Now, the thing itself, you might say, oh, well, it's good. And therefore, that's your validation of your lifestyle and your schedule. But the fact of the matter is there are other goods. There's more than one good thing. And as a matter of fact, there's even a hierarchy of values in God's word in the Bible. And some things are better and best. Some things are more important than others. And one of the things we have to be open to is that we, it's not just that we're doing a bad thing, but maybe we're not doing the other good things we are meant to do. And so Jethro shows Moses that if all he does from dusk to dawn is hear cases, then he will have no time for teaching. Notice that. Notice he said that, that you will not be able to teach them the statutes and the laws. So in other words, what Jethro is saying is, look, Moses, God's given you more than one thing to do. 
As a matter of fact, and I actually think this is the sort of the background of uh, pastoral ministry, the office of elder in the New Testament, the most important thing that the pastor is supposed to do is teach. Teach the Bible. Study to show thyself approved unto God. The word study is labor, vigorous toil, vigorously labor in studying the word to rightly divide the word of truth and teach. But like Moses, it's so easy for a million other things, just little things you, you just wouldn't even think of, you know, take care of this, pay this bill, go get this, pick this up, do this, respond to this, this person's upset at this person. It's like there's a million other things that can be done just like you. I'm in the same position as so many other people where I, it's like I'm always trying to do good things, but sometimes these pressures and, and the urgency of the now can crowd out the things that are most important, the essential goods that God has given you and I to steward over. And so what's happening with Moses is the thing that is most good, teaching the word of God, is being crowded out. Believe that, a spiritual leader who doesn't have time to teach because he's always dealing with the problems among the people. That's what's happening to Moses. And what Jethro is saying is not that trying to handle that, that, that what the people's problems don't matter. He's not saying that. Nor is he saying that Moses shouldn't handle any of them. Rather, what he's saying is Moses is so giving himself to these issues, he's neglecting an essential, essential good. And I would even say it's more important biblically. Why? Because without the teaching of the word of God, you actually have more problems. It is the teaching of the word of God that leads to solutions to problems. I'm not saying it's the only way, but it's an essential way. You have to have the teaching of the word of God. So if Moses is no longer teaching the statutes and laws of God, what happens with the people? You're going to have more problems. The less they know of God's word, the less grounded they are in the truth about God and knowledge of themselves and of the world and of the nature of sin and salvation and the nature of the people of God gathered together. They're going to have more problems and there's more cases to hear and then everybody's getting more out, burnt out and more upset. What Jethro tells Moses to do is Moses you got to reprioritize your life so that the essential goods, such as teaching the word, don't get pushed out. And so that's something that could happen to Moses. And if it's something that can happen to Moses, I know it can happen to me, it can happen to you, it can happen to anybody. It can happen to the most seasoned believer. And so this is vital that we, we look at what he's saying here for these reasons. Again, number one, teaching is one of the good things God had called Moses to do. And so allowing anything, listen to this, allowing anything to crowd it out, including other good things, is not okay. He's not allowed. He's not allowed to justify leaving of the word of God to go do something else. That's the priorities God has given him. Number two, the ignorance produced in the people by a lack of teaching of God's word will create more cases that need to be heard. So it's actually going to cause more problems than it solves. Doing things this way, focusing on a lesser good to the neglect of a greater, more essential good, actually creates more problems than it solves. And number three, we see that he needs to delegate that which is not necessary to others for whom the work would be good or necessary. So here's the irony too. There's these other leaders that God's raising up in the congregation of Israel, but they're not going to get that opportunity to lead if Moses takes it all on himself. 
So this is a way in which everybody gets blessed. Everybody. Nobody gets left behind. Moses withdraws from solely doing the judging to return to the teaching of the word of God. That's going to enable the congregation to have less sin and less problems, but there's still going to be problems. So Moses now delegates to others whom God is raising up because Moses isn't the only leader that God is raising up. So he's raising up other leaders and Moses delegates to them. And now they get to grow in their faith because if God is calling them to a form of leadership, then serving in leadership is a way in which they grow in the Lord. And so they are getting that opportunity. And so what you see is the truth of that that old statement that rising tide floats all boats. If we're doing things God's way, God's priorities, which sometimes means saying no to what people demand because it's what they want, not what they need. If we do things God's way with God's priorities, with the right goals and ends in mind and understanding, the Christian life is not just about doing good things, but doing the better and best and relating all the goods ultimately so they point to God and what God is doing, then we can have wisdom for today. But now that I've said all that so far today, isn't it true that anybody could benefit from what I've just said? Do you think you have to be exclusively a Christian this morning to benefit from those five things? I think that whether you're watching this morning and you've been a believer for 50 years, or whether you're somebody who my family member was just nagging me and annoying me and they sent me this little link. They copied and pasted your your Facebook link and sent this to me and they said, hey, would you please just watch this? I said no 50 times, but finally they they nagged me again and I said, well, I would never step in the, the door of a physical church, but you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll watch online, but maybe you're doing that today and you're, you're an atheist you would identify as or an agnostic or a Buddhist or a Hindu or whatever it might be. Isn't it true that the five pieces of advice I just gave you you can perfectly adopt, that there's no problem at all. As a matter of fact, again, some people would say, this is kind of like the book of Proverbs. A lot of Proverbs are just, you don't have to be a Christian to recognize that that's wise and that that's good advice. So we might ask the question, in what way are these five things uniquely Christian? And the answer is that what makes these things Christian is not the things themselves but rather the ultimate source and goal of the five things. What makes those five things Christian? So if you just do these five things, that doesn't make you a Christian. I I think it makes you a more wise person. But what makes a Christian is not the five things themselves, but it's where we see the source of these things and where we see the goal of these things. We see the passage before us today did not arise from the self-help section of Amazon or back in the ancient old days on the shelves of a Barnes and Noble bookstore. These principles of wisdom are set within the story of the Bible. And the chief message of the Bible is Jesus. The Bible is not ultimately a book of good advice, but good news about what God has done through Jesus in the spirit. This means that as much as we try to order our outward lives, and we should, we need more than good advice. Friends, we need good news. That is what the word gospel means. And that is because the ultimate problems in our world are not just practical. They are moral and spiritual. The Bible calls this sin. 
Sin causes not just inconveniences, friends, but corruption. And it's not just out there. The problem is in each and every one of us. The temptation we each face is whether we choose to believe whether our problems today are only practical. I know we have practical problems, but do you believe they're only practical? Do you really believe that's the only problem in your life? Oh, I just need to read another book. I just need some more advice. Oh, if I just do this tweak in my schedule, if I take another vacation with my wife, if we date a couple more times a week, really? Do you believe that? Friends, I hope that you understand that the Bible emphatically declares that your deepest problems are not outward and practical. They're not even other people, if you can believe that. The problem is in you. It is the problem of sin. And the gospel is not good advice on how to get out of it. The Bible teaches that sin is so bad, you good advice can't help you with sin. You need good news. You need to know what God himself is doing to deal with the original root cause of sin and chaos and disorder in the world. So the temptation today is to believe that all we need is practical advice, or if also they are moral and spiritual in nature, and therefore we need a savior. This means that the Bible redefines wisdom, not as a thing, nor as an idea, but as a person. The Bible presents Jesus as wisdom personified. The Apostle Paul in Colossians 2.3 says that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Friends, if we want the true and better wisdom, if those five pieces of practical advice, there's this hunger deep in us, like, yes, yes, give me wisdom, give me more advice. But friends, at the end of the day, I think if we keep pursuing even these earthly trails of practical wisdom, we know we are left with a longing for wisdom that is deeper than what the world can offer. We need a wisdom from God. We need a wisdom incarnate. We need wisdom in the person of Jesus Christ. So if we want the true and better wisdom, if we want good news, not just good advice, then let us seek to address this morning, not just the outward disorder in our lives, but the sin that always enables it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just come before you this morning. I thank you and praise you that Christ is for us wisdom that in him are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so, Lord, I thank you so much that you care about our earthly lives. You care about the things that we are concerned about, Lord, how to order our, our marriages, our relationships, our families, to kids and grandkids, to, to work, to dealing with our health, to our work schedules, school schedules, whatever it might be. I'm so thankful that you care about that. And even the stress that having a disordered life causes. And yet, Lord, I know that because you love us, you refuse to deal with the surface alone. You dig, you dig in seek, search deeper within, and you see that the problem is deeper than outside. It is inside. It is the problem of sin. The problem ultimately in every marriage, in every family, in every job, in every church, in everything else and where we go, even in the political world, is ultimately sin. 
And so often, Lord, we, like the world, dismiss that that's the root cause and seek to only address the symptoms rather than the disease. But Lord, we pray that as we seek to be wise and reorder our lives and and to receive this good advice outwardly, Lord, I pray more than that, we would receive Christ as our wisdom, that we would see that the problem is in us, Lord, that there is a tendency in us, we call it sin, we call it the sin nature, that always tends towards chaos, towards actually bringing disorder into our lives, that we can even deeply desire to pursue things in life that cause chaos and disorder. Lord, we pray this morning with the psalmist, you would search our hearts and know us. See if there's any wicked way in us. Try our hearts and know us and lead us in the way everlasting. Lord, be our wisdom for us. Save your people from their sins. Give us wisdom to not only live our lives, but to share how to live wisely with others. We pray this blessing now on your people in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, friends, for those of you that would like to continue this morning's worship, you are able to do so through tithes and offerings. So if any of you want to give sacrificially back to the Lord for what he's done for you, how he's provided for you, there are a few ways that you can do that. The first way is you can go onto our website, which is imagechurchoc.com. And at the top, there's a giving tab and you can just click on the giving tab and there's, you can give either by debit card or credit card. Um, the other way that you can give to the Lord through sacrificial giving is by mailing in a check or money order. And you can send that to our church mailing address, which is 27762 Antonio Parkway. L is in Larry, 514, and that's Ladera Ranch, California, 92694. Again, all that information is on our website, imagechurchoc.com, so you can give there. Uh, just a couple of quick uh, announcements before we go. Again, friends, if you have any prayer needs or if you have any questions about today's study or the Christian faith in general, you can send those to our church email at information at imagechurchoc.com. That's information at imagechurchoc.com. Again, we would be happy to pray for you. We'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. Again, friends, I encourage you to mark your calendars for this Wednesday night, 7 o'clock p.m. Pacific Daylight Time for a special message that we will be having before we get into our new series. So I encourage you to join us this Wednesday. Again, I encourage you if this message, if this service was a blessing to you, be sure to like our post share it with people. Make sure you like our Image Church OC Facebook page. Again, this is a way of inviting others to enjoy the service, to be a part of what God is doing, to get the word of God out to a world that needs it. So many believers need to be encouraged. There's people out there that don't know Jesus as Lord. And so it's so important that we do our part. And that's not just me. That's all of you, that we're all together doing our part to make him known. So I encourage you, like our page, like this post, share it with somebody. Let's bring as many people to Jesus as we can. All right, with that said, friends, thank you so much for joining with me today. I pray you have a blessed rest of this beautiful Sunday together with friends or family or with your alone time with the Lord. And let me just close with this prayer of blessing. May the grace and truth of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. God bless you all. Look forward to seeing you again soon.